0: Welcome to Conversations on Public Safety. The Den, a podcast that asks, are we ready to reset the landscape of public safety? Whether you're a veteran of criminal justice, a newcomer who wants to foster change for the next generation, or someone actively involved in the field, grappling with the complexities of decision-making, you're invited to the conversation. In each episode, you'll hear from a panel of four highly respected criminal justice thought leaders for an unscripted, unedited, and vulnerable discussion about the future changes needed for policing. Together, they hold more than 100 years of experience and are using our insight to help evolve practices, policies, training, and community relationships. They're challenging themselves and you to get introspective and question the status quo. Let's dive into today's topic.
1: Hi, everyone. Dr. Jessica Herbert here, founder and CEO of Idea Analytics and the host of this podcast, The Den. For those of you that know me and those of you that will get to know me over the course of this podcast, you know that I have always questioned authority. My close friends and family were more likely to win a bet that I would be in the back of the police car rather than the front, but that was only if they caught me. I've always questioned everything. Sometimes it's just the best way to think about things, to make sure it's the best way things should go. And sometimes I question everything simply because I need to understand all of the pieces of a decision of how we got to where we are and why are we doing it the way that we do it. This characteristic can be quite annoying for many people. However, it has served me well throughout my 25-year career. And this is one of those times I think it served me well, hosting this podcast and being able to share my stories with you all. Unlike some of my colleagues here on the Den, I try to avoid police officers at any cost. And as a youth... Who had a lot of interactions with them, I often saw that their interactions were abrasive and angry towards community members. Whether it was incidences in my community or my school or things that were directly dealing with officers in my home, I found that their ability to communicate with youth was pretty poor. Now, of course, I'm running this off of memory and our memories like to keep and not keep things, but I can tell you that as a youth that struggled with things at home and the police officers that kept returning me to that home, which was often unsafe, they weren't in my best friend list. And during those interactions, I recognized then and now there's not a whole lot of options. You either return the child back home or you put the child in a facility. The researcher in me today, 25 years later, says that sometimes both of those options are not ideal. But when they're the only option, you're trying to pick the lesser of two evils. I went to college at 16, and that really changed the trajectory of interactions I had with officers. Up until then, it was normally me getting into trouble or perhaps me making it home after they didn't catch me, but still getting into trouble. But it was during my undergraduate studies that I had mentors that introduced me to things in sociology and criminal justice that gave me a different perspective and were able to talk to me in a way to make me understand or think differently about the way public safety functioned in Northern Virginia. It was during that time I got introduced to projects that were exploring new processes on how to serve people with mental illness and substance abuse and really questioning the alternatives to jail. Now, in the late 90s, this was a fairly new idea. When mental health and substance abuse centers were being defunded, The jails and police officers were seeing an increase of interactions of the chaos and the disorder that substance abuse and mental illness can bring about. It was during these projects that I saw an opportunity. One, I could not go to classes. I could dictate my own research agenda that allowed me the flexibility to do other things while exploring these projects and supporting some of these efforts. It also allowed me to be at the table with police officers and caseworkers and psychologists or social workers that were trying all of these new processes. And they too liked my questioning of authority. They too enjoyed that I asked why, how did we get here, are we sure that's the same place we would end up now with different information. They embraced those things. So I was pretty motivated that maybe there is a place for me within public safety. And maybe as I was exiting my career or my academia path in undergraduate studies, that I would go into the police force and serve public safety and work on these projects from the inside. It was during applying for the police department and getting acclimated to police department or public safety ways during the academy that I realized that sometimes questioning my authority would get a little bit too much attention and sometimes not the positive attention. And so as I went on to the police department or went through the interview process for Fairfax County, both police department and sheriff's office, questioned a lot of things about how much paperwork I had to fill out and the details and information. I questioned more out of frustration. As a youth who moved around a lot and didn't have contact with the parents to ask these questions and have this support, there was both this frustration of not getting the right answer, which could disqualify me from the process, as well as an embarrassment of, I have to sit here and tell this to a complete stranger, and are they going to understand? Because every other time that I talked to a police officer about my home life or my parents, there was never really understanding. So it was a unique way to kind of advocate for myself through that and also know that there was certain things that kind of pegged me as the delinquent in the basic training class. The person who needed to sit front and center so that she wasn't disruptive and distracting in the back of the classroom. Or additional questions from instructors because I was able to identify drugs or outlaw motorcycle gangs or understand gang members. In fact, that was my entire life growing up of seeing those things and understanding how they showed up in communities. And so I was often shocked that I was surrounded by police recruits that had never seen those things and didn't understand. I didn't understand what community they lived in. What do you mean you didn't see these things? So perhaps my questioning of authority during the academy got me some unwanted attention, which made me really good at running and push-ups, but it also got me the attention that set the trajectory of my next 12 years on the police department, working on some very unique projects to not only challenge the way that we've done things, but perhaps also support some of the investigations into drugs and gangs and violence that other people took years of training to be ready for. For some people, my 12 years in public safety is so short, but I can tell you as someone who lived through those 12 years, it was really, really long. It was long because of 12 hour shifts. It was long because of sometimes seven, 10 day straights working. When you work in investigations, you have such an oddball schedule, the idea of some type of work-life balance is something they write about in novels. It is not something that is readily achieved. I worked every holiday for those 12 years, most of the time getting off just in the nick of time before I could surprise my goddaughter for Christmas morning and attempt to have some level of family interactions with her family during those holidays. My decision to leave public safety after 12 years was mine, but sometimes not mine alone. I realized in those 12 years, especially in the last year, that sometimes my objectives or trajectory was not in the same direction as everyone else. That all of a sudden the idea of collaborating and working towards solutions was not the same as the leadership or the overall culture or mission of the agency at the time. So my decision to leave was a tough one. I thought that I would be in public service helping communities for 20 plus years. And the idea of what came next wasn't really known, but my idea to continue to push and question authority served me once again pretty well. I went into private industry and and into academia where I was able to kind of question these things. I was able to create new projects and new ideas and allow myself to influence the next generation of criminal justice undergraduates and graduates so that when they went into the workforce, they too would see another way of doing things or realize there's something more than just arrest and lock up and arrest and lock up. After I spent a few years away from public safety and some of those efforts, or at least not directly related to them from public industry side, I remember getting a call from a project director asking me to return to the Department of Justice space and help support agencies that were recognizing that the way they had been doing things was not the right way going forward and that they needed smart people around analysis and policy making to help kind of set the ways right. And as much as I laughed thinking, well, that has never quite been the case, and I don't know if this is actually truth that you're speaking to me, I said yes, and I would gladly return to that public servant heart of mine and work with police departments around this country And over the last now better part of a decade or more here, I have been able to work in 34 states and over 80 cities on issues from juvenile justice and family court and gun violence and human trafficking and really just organizational changes with the department and restructuring and hiring And this has been the most rewarding parts of my career over the last 12, 13 years here, because I can see that there are still leaders across the field that see that the way that we've been doing things no longer serves our departments and our communities, and that we need to be able to do better. But sometimes in doing better or doing things differently requires a lot of patience, because not all of the time, does the political, social, or economic issues align quite right so that you can make these changes all of a sudden? That sometimes turning the ship to the better path is slow and methodical, and sometimes you get stuck in the process. But that's okay for me. As I told you, I question authority. I question the way that we do things. And so these projects over the years has allowed me to question those things for every department I've entered and allowed me to ideate with leaders across this country on what potential solutions are or what potential ways forward are. And why I can sometimes get exhausted that we might not reach there yet, we might not get there, And in 2020, I was questioning as to whether or not we've made any progress whatsoever. This has definitely served me well in terms of getting a national perspective on what public safety should look like going forward. And so it is this questioning and this perspective that in 2020, as we isolated due to a pandemic and we watched some social justice unfold once again in our country, I realized that it was making me question my time in public safety once again. And it was making my colleagues in the criminal justice industry question their entire careers as well. For some of us, we were watching social unrest unfold like it did in our childhoods or early careers. And we were questioning why we were still here. Why were we still dealing with these same issues once again? Other colleagues of mine questioned if the decades of work towards constitutional and community policing ever really worked, if their research meant anything, and if their policy recommendations and fancy reports were more than just window dressing. It was during this time that I was asked by my colleagues to host conversations to organize us for unedited and challenging sessions to explore our questions about our careers, about how things worked when we were officers versus how things work now that we're helping so many other agencies, to develop the new hard questions that need to be asked for public safety leaders and emerging leaders, and to ideate over solutions to create something new to create the next generation of public safety. The following episodes of The Den are now shared with you, those conversations that share perspectives and challenges, often in really funny ways about how we end up where we are and why we know sometimes from our own personal experience certain policy recommendations should never make it to the final report. We share these conversations with you and our perspectives with you so that we can continue this conversation and we can continue shaping and designing the true intentions of public safety going forward. And for our leaders or emerging leaders in public safety, whether you are internal to the department or working with departments from the outside, that you'll continue to keep in mind how to advance our community's needs within the inherent organizational challenges and structures that a monolith of public safety has. Thanks for listening to a little bit of my story and thanks for tuning in to The Den to hear and share the perspectives of many others.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about today's topic, Idea Analytics, or work with them, visit their website, analyticsbyidea.com. There, you'll find their latest blog posts, case studies and contact information if you enjoyed this episode remember to subscribe rate and review conversations on public safety the den on your preferred podcasting platform see you next time